0: All right. Salt Company. Hey there. What a lovely night for Salt Company, isn't it? You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. All right. I'll just like start my sermon. You guys can keep chatting. That's fine. (laughs) What a time. Hey guys. Welcome to Salt Company. It's week three. It's week three. This is like the third date. You know, things are starting to get a little real. Uh, Like I said earlier, my name is Austin. I have the joy of teaching the Bible here pretty often, and uh, it's just sweet to be with you guys. Man, Uh, I want to just say a special hello to you if it's your first time at Salt Company. Yeah, there's new people coming every week, and we just want you to know that you're welcome here. Pumped that you're joining and spending a Thursday night with us. If you were here last week, you know that we're in a series called Homesick. And we're calling it Homesick because we're going through the the book of 1 Peter. And this was a letter written by a guy named Peter to exiles. He was writing it to people that were far from home. And there's this thing with all of us. We can all resonate with the idea of being far from home. This idea that we don't quite belong here. We were made for a better world. The Bible agrees with this, that humanity was made for a deeper, better existence than what this world has to offer. We were made to live with God forever, and we were made to live forever. But now we feel like, man, God's kind of far away, and everything comes to an end. So we kind of get stuck in this spot where we're just a little bit uncomfortable and maybe a little bit disappointed with what we've got in front of us. And that's why I started thinking about recess. It's true. Maybe you're starting to picture your recess place uh, in elementary school. This was the best part of elementary school for me, but man, when the bell rung and it was time to go to recess, I would run out to the field with my friends. Something that's always been true about me, guys, is that I love to play sports with my friends. Is there anything better than that? I'm not sure. But I love playing sports with my friends, especially at recess. So I'd run out to the field, right? And we would all huddle together, and it was at this point that we would elect two captains to choose the teams for two-hand touch football, you know? These were the days. And it was at this very moment that I would start like stacking myself up against the competition, you know. Whoever the two captains were, I would lock eyes with them. I begin stretching, you know, let them know that I'm really, I really care about this man. I'll start doing some high knees, showing my athleticism, right? I'm staring at them dead in the eyes so they can see the fire that I'm ready to unleash on the football field, right? Does anybody else feel this way about recess? Yeah. Anyway, this is this is what I was up to. I was just like. Desperate for them to look at me and say, yeah, I want you on my team. Let's do this thing. Let's crush them. You know, we had the teacher that would be all-time quarterback and was like, that guy's going to throw it right in the bread basket. I'm gone. Oh, what a time. But I was stacking myself a bit up against the competition, hoping that they would see, like, yes, I deserve to be on the team. I want to be chosen. I want to be picked. And here's my question for you tonight, Soul Company. I'm wondering how many of us are like actually just entering into this room kind of with the same attitude that I was running to the field during recess, stacking yourself up against the competition, trying to make sure people know that you are worth following, worth having in their squad, like somebody that they want to know and get to know and appreciate. You just want to be chosen. Man, this is a deep, deep desire, and right now, tonight, we're going to talk about something that is the fear beneath all of it, the rejection. I'm not sure what your experience with rejection is like. Maybe you didn't get into the school that you were hoping for. Maybe your crush said no when you asked them to go get coffee together. Maybe you're getting flashbacks to recess or early school, and somebody made it clear that they didn't want you on your team. Maybe your mom or your dad didn't want to be a part of your life. I'm not sure what the story of rejection has been like, but I'm pretty confident that we've all got one. We hate it. There's a gut-wrenching feeling to be looked at and told either explicitly or implicitly. I don't want you. Rejection sucks. And so we do everything in our power to belong somewhere, to be desired by somebody. The fear of rejection is the thing that motivates us to do better, to be better, to look better. Because deep down, we don't want to be rejected. But what I want you guys to know tonight is that the deepest desire isn't that you would be accepted by your parents. The deepest desire isn't that you would be accepted by your professors. Your deepest desire is not that you would be accepted by any person in this room. But the deepest desire for approval and acceptance is that God would accept you. That the maker of all things would look at you and say, I want you. The scariest thing that any of us could experience would be the God of the universe saying, I don't want you turning his face. And here's the interesting thing, soul company. On our own, by ourselves, apart from Christ, that's what we deserve. To have God turn his face. See, tonight we're going to be looking at three points from 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at a rejected people, a rejected savior, and a redeemed house. That's where we're going. We're going to open up the Bible to First Peter chapter two. If you've got one, I'd love it if you would turn there with me. But it'll be up on the screens if you'd like to see it. A rejected people. Look at me. Uh, sorry. Look to. I've done that like three times. Oh my goodness. Uh, look at First Peter chapter two verse four with me. Thank you. <laughs> As you come to Him. A living stone rejected by men. They're talking about Jesus at this moment. He's a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Here's two things that we believe at Salt Company because they are in the Bible. We believe that Jesus is precious. And we believe that apart from him, we are not. We are gross. Now let me unpack this a little bit. Each person, each of us, has inherent value because we were all created by the maker of all things and so no matter who we are no matter where we've been we all have value just because of that simple fact no exceptions but each of us are deeply flawed and deeply broken because of sin and in need of saving no exceptions there either and so we find that in each person we have all become bent in on ourselves. We have this deep belief that we, I, you, me, we are at the center. Each individual person believes I am at the center. Somebody named Augustine kind of coined this phrase, being bent in on oneself. He's like this first century theologian and philosopher, you know, real old guy. And he was realizing that, man, each person has become bent in on themselves. Just think about the imagery of that. All we see is ourself. School is about my performance. How good can I look? Relationships are about control. How can I get what I want? Money is about status. How can I, how much can I get? Sex is about my desires. How can they make me feel good? It's something that each of us find deep within ourselves, that we've become bent towards ourself. He says that we will seek after anything as long as it will benefit us. We will even seek after God and start to use him just to make me feel good, right? We've become so bent in on ourselves, and this is sin. This is a reason that there's separation between us and God. Because how could we possibly live at peace with God if all we care about is me? How could any relationship flourish if all I care about is me? So there's separation This is not a good way to live, but Soul Company, it's our default. It's our default, and it's the reason that we were kicked out of perfect relationship with God, and it leaves us in this state that on our own, we should be rejected by him because ultimately, we're not living for God. We're living for ourselves. And I just want to share that this was like one of the most Pivotal moments in my life when I realized that this was true about me This wasn't just some far concept that other people dealt with but it was when I was a freshman at the U of M That I actually just had my eyes opened to the reality that I was bent in on myself And I was good at covering it up. Trust me successful at school. People thought that I probably really cared about learning for the sake of benefiting others. I was really friendly and kind and wanted to like, have a great time with people, so they probably thought that I cared about them. But when it really came down to it, guys, I was just living for however much praise that person could give me, just living for how much approval they could give me. And it wasn't until somebody shared a verse with me. Well, first I need to share, guys, the fir- the reason I came to Salt Company was just because there was a girl that I liked that said we should go. Even Salt Company, like, man, the reason some of you guys like came here, and that's actually the reason right now. You're like, <laughs> isn't that crazy? Oh man. Hey, I feel ya. <laughs> Man, everything that I was doing was just about what the other person could give me. Not my life to serve them, but their life to serve mine. And there became this moment where somebody shared uh, a specific verse with me from John chapter 12. I'm just going to read it really quick. They said, it says, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Guys, that was me. Living for the praise of people, not the praise of God. Living for the attention of people, not the attention of God. Living for other people just to tell me, you're precious. You're doing a great job. It was all about me. But it turns out that the most freeing, the most loving, the most compassionate, impactful words that I could possibly hear were not, you're doing great, man. The most impactful words were, hey, you're lost in yourself, and there's a better life for you. And so I know that it's not easy to hear that you're gross. It's not easy to hear that there's a problem. But guys, it is in love. It is in compassion that I tell you and that God is saying through his word, Hey, there's a problem here. And so the next step forward isn't to ignore the problem, but it's to find the solution. And there is a solution. It's awesome, it's totally unexpected. God did something really unthinkable to flip the script of humanity because we should be rejected by God. But instead, He would be rejected. I want you to see a rejected Savior tonight. Look at First Peter chapter two at the end. This is verse twenty-two and twenty-three. Once again, talking about Jesus, it says he committed no sin; neither was deceit found in his mouth. But when he was uh, sorry, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus is the only one that has not been bent in on himself. He was the only one with a straightened spine ready to look out onto the world and actually serve. And so that's what he was sent here to do, to be an example for us, to do what we couldn't do, to actually live for others, to actually live for God. He's the only one that's done it perfectly. He's the only one that was able to hear the words from God, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus was precious. And everybody else, a failure. We didn't meet the mark. We didn't meet the standard. Imperfect, broken, rejected. But, Because of the love that God has for his children, he did not want to leave us in that state. He was not okay with you remaining rejected, remaining far from him. He pursued after you by sending Jesus on the greatest rescue mission of all time. He sent him not only to be rejected by man, but also to be rejected by God himself. Look at a couple of verses with me. This is verse 4 again. It says, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. He was rejected by the men of that day. They hated him. They hated the life that he lived. Though it was perfect, they did not recognize it then. And so they spat on him. They beat him. They tortured him. They called him names. And then they ultimately killed him. He was rejected by men. And then in verse 24, it shows that Jesus was also sent by God to be rejected by God. Verse 24 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Guys, as crazy as it is, Jesus, the son of God, was sent to be rejected by his father to be punished on our behalf on the cross. When it says that he bore our sins on the cross, what that really means is that he took all of the ways that we didn't add up, the ways that we were failures, the ways that we ourselves rejected God, he took that on himself, switching places with us. And because it says that the wages of sin is death. The necessary penalty of sin is death. Jesus took sin on himself and paid the penalty. Dying in our place, he would experience our worst fear. It wasn't just that he couldn't breathe for a while. It wasn't just that he wasn't alive anymore. It was that he experienced what we all fear deeply, that the God of the universe turned his face away. The only one that had perfect relationship with him was rejected. Why? Why on earth would he do that? God poured out anger on Jesus so that he could justly pour out love on you. The one that should be rejected be welcomed in this is the greatest substitution ever that jesus would step in front of the gun and take the bullet for you he would take what you deserved total rejection and give you what you did not deserve total approval from your heavenly father this is crazy stuff But it's absolutely true and available for you tonight. Jesus went through hell so that you could be accepted by God and experience life with him forever. And the best part about this whole thing, guys, is that Jesus didn't even stay dead. But he rose from the grave three days later, proving That he, in fact, was above all brokenness, above all sin, cannot even be contained by the thing that we fear more, death. He cannot even be contained by death. But he rose from the grave, appeared to hundreds of people, and then ascended to the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know what he's doing up there? Do you know what Jesus is actively doing? Because he's alive and well. And he's actually got a role Right now, this blew my mind when I figured this out. This was crazy. Jesus, God the Son, is speaking on your behalf if you believe in him. Actively speaking to God the Father. He's saying, God, look at these people. They've sinned. They've rejected you. They're living lives of selfishness. They don't want you. They've rebelled against you. And you say that the necessary penalty for sin is death. So what should we do? He doesn't actually ask that. He knows exactly what should happen. He says, God, I died in their place. So you cannot condemn them. Because you are just, you needed to pay the penalty for sin. I paid that penalty. You unleashed it on me. But if you were to penalize them for their sin, it would be unjust because you're paying two times for the same sin. And because you are just, you cannot condemn them. Guys, if you are in Christ, you can never be rejected by God. It would be unjust of him because your pen, your sin has already been paid for in Jesus. That is good news. Man on your own you should be rejected by God, but because of Jesus you are completely and forever accepted by him. It's grace. It means you didn't earn it by your good works, and it means that you can't lose it because of your bad ones. It's undeserved love, guys. It's amazing, and it's available for you right now. Jesus is the hero. He steps in at the perfect moment. But there's something interesting about his life. Did you catch it? That he was rejected by men. Guys, this is what happens when you choose to follow Jesus. You'll be totally accepted by God, but you might be rejected by men. Because we should have been rejected by God, but then Jesus stepped in, was rejected by God and by man so that we could be accepted by God, but rejected by man. So there is a cost. You won't get man's approval anymore, but you will get something so much better. You'll get life with God forever. And did you see the part where it says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame? Guys, it's not what it looks like. You might be totally rejected by man, but it's not what it looks like. You will receive honor and glory. You will not be put to shame. The maker welcomes you home with arms wide open, and he's the one that ultimately gets to decide your value. He is the one who ultimately gets to decide if you have shame or not. And no matter what anybody else says about you, if you are in Christ, shame is gone. When you come to God because of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, you are now in Christ's place, which means... You are chosen and precious, and nobody can take that away from you. So here's what we see we see a bunch of stones, right? Jesus was a stone. Now, when you're coming to him, you're like a living stone. So, what's going on with this? Check this out God is building something. What's he building? Ooh, he's using rejected people and a rejected Savior to build a redeemed house. Check out verse 4 and 5 again with me. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Following Jesus means a new life, And this means that you actually get to be a part of something bigger than yourself. More eternal and more significant than you could have ever dreamed. It means that God is now the one who is directing your steps. That the spirit living in you is actually the one who's going to reveal what is right and wrong. Not our own morality anymore. We are leaving our old ways behind and joining in. On a new creation, individually being redeemed and corporately being redeemed into a new redeemed house. But I want you to see something really important about this structure. Something really important about this house. Look at verse 6 through 8 with me. For it stands in Scripture, behold... The most important thing about this house is that Jesus is the cornerstone. You guys know what a cornerstone is? You can put it together. It's a cornerstone. It's a stone that they put in the corner that would be the form, they would form two walls, right? It is the most important stone. It needs to be super strong, super square, ready to be built around Guys, the house that you get to be a part of, corporately, is built on one person. It's not built on religious performance. It's not built on your own ability to work to God. It's built on a person. It's built on Jesus. And here's the thing that's really interesting, That the message of unmerited grace from God can actually be offensive to some of us. It can actually, like, kind of make you twinge a little bit. One of the reasons that it might be a stumbling block is because when we really think about it, we want to be the cornerstone, We want to be the one that everything else is built around. The cornerstone is like saying, He's the center. He's what we build everything on. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we want to be that cornerstone. We want to be at the center. And so it leaves a question for all of us tonight Who will be at the center of your life? Who will be the cornerstone? Will it be you or will it be Jesus? Guys, it's a question that none of us can avoid. You can't stay neutral about this. And whatever answer you give is extremely important. Who's going to be at the center of your life? The only way to come to God is to leave yourself behind the only way to follow Jesus and make him the cornerstone is if you're not the cornerstone. The only way to actually live a life with God is to have him be God, not you. That's hard, but it's so worth it. It's an invitation to let go of the ways that you're still trying to impress the world to let go of the ways that you're still trying to get approval from that person next to you. It's an invitation to let go even of the ways that you're trying to earn your way to God. You can let go of performance and grab hold of grace, of undeserved love. Here's what it looks like to leave yourself behind. It means I'm not really going to care about my personal brand anymore. It means I'm not going to care about being right in every argument. It means that I'm okay with being misunderstood by other people. Because trust me, if you follow Jesus, the one who was so misunderstood that they put him to death, that's probably going to happen to you as well. It's self forgetfulness, it's kind of like a Pringles can. What? It's kind of like a Pringles can. Trust me, you've been here. You get to the bottom, last couple chips of the Pringle can, and there is no shot that you are able to reach all the way into that dang tunnel and get a chip out along with your hand. The only way for you to get your hand back out is by letting go of the chip. Are you with me? <laughs> The only way that you are able to actually follow Jesus is by letting go of your own brand. That's the only way, guys. But it is so worth it. You get to be a part of something even even bigger than yourself. Because when life becomes actually about God and others and not just about yourself, not bent in towards yourself it's at that moment that you're actually able to serve. You're actually able to love. You're actually able to look at another person and appreciate them and build them up. So this means, man, when we leave ourself behind and go forward, school can not be about performance anymore, but it can be an opportunity to learn to grow to figure out what problems out there can I help solve money doesn't become about status anymore but it becomes a resource to help support people relationships don't become about control anymore but they become about loyalty and building trust and carrying each other's burdens sex doesn't become about my desires It becomes a way to say, I love you to your spouse and build a family culture of intimacy and faithfulness. There is a sweet opportunity ahead of you to leave your own past life behind you and chase after Jesus, the rejected savior. Guys, he knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to suffer. He wants to do this right alongside you. He wants to do this with you. He wants to straighten out your back, open up your eyes, help you look forward and see a world of opportunity to love and serve your neighbor. Ultimately, doing it with God day in and day out. Guys, I'm so excited that I get to be a part of that with you. What a gift to build a spiritual house with Jesus being the cornerstone. Man, that's what we're about. And I'm gonna close with this the same way that the passage starts, as you come to him. Would you come to him? Would you come to Jesus? He's ready to give you everything you need, ready to welcome you into his family, ready to walk with you through life. Man, at the end of chapter two, it says this, for you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseers, the overseer of your souls. To those of you that were straying, not knowing where to find approval, not not knowing where to belong, would you come to Jesus? He's ready to give it to you. Let's pray to that end. Father, we are desperate for acceptance, all of us. And each of these students, man, they're longing to find their place in the world. None of them want to be rejected. Each of them want to have a home and a family where they can be known and loved. God, I just ask that you would open their eyes to see that ultimately what they're desperate for is you. That everything in them was made for life with you and that you made a way for that to happen. God, we're sorry for being curved in on ourselves and we're so thankful that you made a way for us to ultimately live with you to be accepted by you. Thank you for sending Jesus to be rejected in our place. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross, for taking away our sin and and raising him up in victory. Here we are, God, ready to worship. We're available for whatever you have next for us, God. I pray that you would be lifted up high in this place. Would you be praised? We love you. Amen.